Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, Chris. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. Chris, my brother. Yes, sir. What's happening? Just chilling, recording a podcast. Oh, you know? Um, what I know is Chris right now is actually getting ready for um, the boot camp, which will have happened by the time this episode is published. But way to grind, bro. Way to grind. Yep. Getting it done. Um, if you need a scholarship to go to boot camp or to the women's retreat, turns out we have a couple of those. So you should go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships and uh, apply for those. So, um, I mean, we have episodes where like it gets gritty, it gets real. This is legit. Right. She's awesome. So we'll let and her. And I said, she's awesome. Because we have our second woman addict that was able to share with us today. Yeah. And um, so uh, I'll, I'll share this part that didn't get recorded. Um, but we had an interesting experience in our recording. Um, so, uh, Ashley's talking about her story and then, and then just God grabbed me and was like, invite her to share this the way she wants to. So we stop halfway in. I'm like, Ashley, are you sharing this the way like you're supposed to, like the way the script should look? Um, are you sharing what you want to share on your heart? And like, we had this real conversation. We had this real dialogue about it. And I'm going to be honest. I was like, look, if, if you don't want to go total from your heart, like it's cool. Like we're cool. It's good. But like, I, I don't want to sign you up for anything you don't want to sign up for, but I'm not trying to be this guy, but we don't mess around. Like it's, we're going to ask you this stuff and, um, talk about answering the call, man. I mean, it wasn't like it changed from that moment. I mean, it's not even, uh, like in my mind, I was like, does she need to think about this? And she was like, nope. Like she knew I she know. was ready. Like she knew. Right. And so there was just a, like a realness that came into this episode. And I just want to speak to you. Cause you know, we experienced this with Cassie too. Like there's this double shame, like right. addiction, shame enough. No one wants you. And then to be a female, cause females don't struggle with this. That's not a thing. If you don't sense the sarcasm. Yeah, please pick it up now. But, um, and so the way she stepped in, oh, holy cow, just opened her heart to to us and to you guys, obviously. So we're super grateful that she was able to do that and yeah. willing to. Yeah, and and um, I I just loved, um, you know, oftentimes I feel like what gets shared in a lot of our stories, which is not a bad thing, is kind of lessons learned. Like, hey, this is what I've learned. I've realized this. And there was something just really tender and just real about a lot of, you know, I'm kind of figuring that one out. This is what I've got so far. This is where I'm at in this. And this is what I'm figuring out. Um, and it reminds me a lot of our episode we did with Max, who's also, because Ashley's young. Right. I mean, Chris is old. I'm in the middle. <laughs> no, no, James is old. Okay. No, sorry, James is old. James is super old. <laughs> James is rest home, the walker with the tennis balls on the bottom, right? That's James. Yep. Um, Chris is just like deaf old man on the porch. I'm True still, story, I'm deaf. I'm still young and cool, um, but uh, only in my own mind. But, um, <laughs> right, so she's turning uh, 20 like this year. Right. I mean, and so, so much wisdom at a young, I'm like, let me tell you where I was at that age, fried, freaking toasts, like full tilt, dual life off the cliff. And so, yeah, absolutely. Still hiding like crazy. I mean, I was, I got married at 19 and there was no way I was talking about this to anybody, especially my wife. Yeah. Uh, especially on a podcast to the whole world. Yeah. And, and um, so there, there's this, it's this crazy thing. And so I hope you, I hope you take a chance to listen to the whole episode if you're listening now. And I know this is a long intro and we need to shut up. But um, 
so much wisdom and then so much honesty of, I'm just figuring this out. I'm just learning. I'm just starting. I'm just moving. And, and seeing those two like mixed in the same blender, there was so grace is the only word that I have so much grace and just beauty around the authenticity. I mean, that Ashley brought, it was crazy. Yeah. Especially if you guys listen to the bonus content, um, she gets even deeper. She, she even said, I didn't think that we would go there. And well, that's why we're here. <laughs> we, we get, we get deep with people and, and bring out some of the things that, uh, they don't want to talk about or they're scared to talk about. And she absolutely opened up to us in that bonus session. So I definitely welcome you guys to listen to the bonus session as well. But Chris, how do I get the bonus content? You go to unashamedunafraid.com slash bonus no slash donate donate. (laughs) and (laughs) i always screw that up slash donate and donate so that you can actually become one of our outsiders so speaking of outsiders we've got some new outsiders that i want to shout out to so we have mark what's up monty woohoo ben what's up man uh david What's up, David? I see you. David, I got your email. We exchange. Don't be a stranger. Reach out to me, bro. I see you. And we got some women that donated as well. So new outsider women. Lynette. Sweet. Freaking awesome. And I think her name is Dope Ashley or Awesome Ashley. We can do whatever. We could add all sorts of things to it. And that may or may not be an Ashley. We cannot confirm or deny that it may or may not be an Ashley that you might be listening to in this recording. <laughs> um, and so where those donations go. So we are a nonprofit, um, 501 C three. So, uh, no one gets paid. I don't pay. We sure as much don't pay Jason for all the heavy lifting he does with this audio, but we should. Um, and you so you kind of get paid for donating because you get tax deductions. Correct. Um, and what you are donating to is scholarships for people, right, who who are looking for recovery resources. So go to our website, unashamedandafraid.com slash scholarships. And if you're enjoying this content, we invite you to give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the world judges us and algorithms help the world find us. Um, and so also, um, Ashley shared with us, she is open to people reaching out to her directly. And so to reach out to her, Instagram is the best way. Send her a DM. She will check it. And it is at Ashley Ayers. So that is A-S-H-L-E-E-A-Y-R-E. So reach out to Ashley. Sorry our intros are so long. Just so excited. Um, and so... Thank you for joining us. Um, this is truly incredible. You're about to hear a beautiful heart, um, a beautiful person, a strong woman, um, be really vulnerable and share. And so with that. And I hope you guys can see the light that we can see, even though you're just listening. If you miss it, you're blind. Right. And with that, we'll take you in. So we'll get in the studio with Ashley. Chris. Yes, sir. Ashley. Hello. We're lucky she's here, Chris. Absolutely. We've been waiting a long time to get her on here. So um, first tell everyone, because we didn't say it in the intro, because I didn't want to, I wasn't going to tell your story for you. How did you end up here with us? Um, So I found out about this podcast about, I don't know eight months ago or something. And I just reached out to you guys because I was, um, I've been sharing my story and just really excited because I want to be um, the voice for someone else because I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I really wanted. Um, <laughs> when I was struggling with my addiction, I wanted to hear a girl's story with this problem. And so I reached out to you guys. Um, it took me a few months. I wasn't ready. In January, but now I'm here and I'm super excited. Woohoo! We're excited to have you. <laughs> As you. are we. So, where do you want to start? I guess let's just start at the beginning. I agreed. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess I, I had a really great childhood. Um, there wasn't a lot of trauma, so um, it's kind of different from a lot of families. Um, and you come from a relatively big family, right? Yeah. So I'm the third of eight kids. 
And, you know, we were raised on a farm. We were raised um, being homeschooled. Uh, we just had a lot of fun and not a lot of technology. So it was kind of different from a lot of families. Um, we were also very, we we're also very religious. And so that did play a big part in my journey. Um, when I was 11 years old, I ran into this book. It was a book about pornography. And, you know, it was a really good book. Um, but it put the idea of porn into my head. I had no idea what this was. It was just telling a story about this kid who found it and then was able to, um, you know, get help from his family and, you know, move on past it. But the idea and the concept of it really stuck with me. Um, we had the sex talk with my parents, but it was like a one and done thing. Um, so that was, you know, that was a big thing for an 11 year old. Um, and then all of that combined, um, it was just a lot because we moved, um, we moved into this really small house. Um, we jumped right into school for a first time ever. And cause you were previously homeschooled. Yes. So it's like double culture shock. Yeah. So yeah, an wow. hour away from home. Um, we were all kind of just in survival mode. Um, my parents were super busy. My mom's a Relief Society president. Um, so we were all kind of pulled away doing our own thing. Um, I don't want to say that my parents like neglected me at all or any of our, our family, but you know, we were all super busy. Um, and growing up, I had this label on me that I was like a, the perfect child. Um, uh, mm-hmm. So I carried with that, carried that label with me all growing up. Like got that label from mom and dad. Because mm-hmm. I also had some hero child. Like my mom would say to me, like, "Oh, we're so happy you're the one who doesn't have any problems." Yeah. So is that? Yeah. We're barking. At, okay. Yeah. It sounds uh-huh. like it. I can relate to you on that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I was kind of, I kind of felt more special. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's weird to say, but, you know, like always helping out with Christmas or just um, the responsible one. You know, I could Mm. watch my siblings when my parents went on a date or whatever. Um, And so I just always had that label with me. Everyone else saw me as perfect, too. Um, So I felt like I couldn't really mess up. So Mm -hmm. um, I can say that that's a lot of pressure for you. mm -hmm. Right. Did you feel that pressure that you were like, oh, I, I just can't. Mm-hmm. Mess up at all. I oh, gotta yeah. be good. I gotta be the good one. Yeah. So one curiosity question I have is like, so coming out of the sex talk, like you have this interaction of a curiosity with porn, um, which I would label as normal, like mm-hmm. a common experience. Like we are all sexual beings, but then you have the sex talk and you said like standard deal one and done. So like, you're moving past that, like, boom, I kind of know there's this thing called porn, bam, I have the, you know, quote unquote, classic sex talk. So in your mind, like what, what was sex and, and more curious for me is like, what was your sexuality about? Cause I know like for me as a man growing up, it was sex is wrong. Like don't very religious, right? Grew up, Mm -hmm. you know, um, Latter-day Saint activist. It was like all the sex things are wrong, Till you get married, then there's this green light, but mm-hmm. then there was this undertone in culture that if you get pretty women and all of this like 007 thing, like then you're the man. So there's also this like sexuality is a tool that you use mm-hmm. and it's a validating thing, but don't touch it till later. But that's the deal. Like that was my mm-hmm. sexual education. So for you, like what was the messages you had? Like if I could interview you at 12, 14 and be like, what is sex and what is your sexuality? Like, what what was that for you? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I definitely felt probably the same way. Um, I didn't really know much about it, though. Like, you know, I, it got introduced to me once and no one else really talked about it. Um, like, ever. So, and I don't, I didn't really have any trouble with boys So like, or girls that struggled with this. So I really did not know much about it. Um, I did believe that, yes, when I get married, then I can. Um, But yeah, basically what you said, that's pretty much how I felt. So just it was, so your personal sexuality was, it was a good thing. It was a bad thing. It was an unknown thing. Pretty much unknown. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so you move school, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. move. You're yep. kind of feeling on your own. Yeah. Um, so when I jumped into school, I was around all of my new friends, and I really wanted a phone. So I was 12 years old, and I just asked my dad, hey, can I get a phone? And because I am that perfect kid, I guess, mm-hmm. um, it was pretty much a no-brainer. And he gave it to me, and um, I got it at the same time as my older brother. So we were all kind of the guinea pigs with this new technology, the smartphone, um, and sorry for everyone who painting into context. So mm-hmm. how at 12, what year is this? 2013. Okay. Yeah. So I get this phone and um, of course my parents aren't, they're not dumb. So they put filters on it. Um, you know, that's what every parent feels is the right thing to do. Um, and yes, it helped, but it just slowed us down. Like, um, I got super invested in uh, like spending my time with gaming and um, social media. And then I found pornography on social media. And I was never the kid that would go on uh, the internet or Pornhub to look up pornography. It was, I was too smart and I knew that my parents would find out. So it was mm-hmm. all through social media, you know, because when they look at that, they just see, oh yeah, you have Instagram, you know, that's just to look at your friend's mm-hmm. post. Um, well, and a pic, Boop, boop. Parents, if you're listening, you actually cannot filter social media. Mm-hmm. So if you think that web browser filter you put on that phone is filtering Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat, it's not. It's not filtering anything. Yeah. You, there's no way to close that door. Mm-hmm. I cannot close that door. Yep. Best case scenario, now they're doing the screenshot thing where it can scan the screen. The I know Covenant Eyes... Uh, Ever accountable. Every once in a while, it'll just take a snapshot yeah, or just whatever. Takes a, yeah, they just kind of have snapshots. some algorithms figuring out if there's a bunch of nudity on the screen or whatever, it'll try and snapshot. But oh. anyway, sorry, just because that's a big thing that you stepped on, yeah. right? Like there's this gap. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I noticed that I was starting to be pulled away from the things that I really love to do, um, which was scary for, I don't know, mostly me, but also my family. Like I wasn't... I was really big with like going to rest homes and playing and, uh, you know, being in plays and um, doing school, like really, really successful. And I was just kind of just slowing down. And so that was a worry right there. Um, Sorry. And the off script is because we talked about this before we started recording that you were actually quite the piano player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've been playing for 13 years. So no big deal. 13 years, whatever. (laughs) Just shrug. (laughs) And did your parents notice that you were withdrawing a little bit? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had my phone with me all the time, and I was super hesitant to let them, you know, even touch it or um, if they wanted to check it. I was just so, I was so scared. Scared. What What are they going to find? Um, that, that's what you're thinking, right? You're yeah. just like, what are they going to find? Exactly. I, I hope I hid everything the way I needed to. Yeah. So, and... A big mistake that a lot of parents make is they let their kids have their phones in the bedroom when they're sleeping. And that was a really dangerous time for me when I, you know, at nighttime when everyone's asleep, yeah. you know, you just start on there for hours. You're going on YouTube, Snapchat, anywhere. Right. So, yeah, that cycle just kept going for about six years. So I have been struggling with this for, you know... I was probably 14 years old when I realized that this was a big issue. Um, when I noticed that the cycle just wasn't healthy. You know, at first it was like, oh yeah, I like this. I don't know what this is, but it, it feels good. Um, you know, when I figured out masturbation, I didn't I didn't know that that was a thing. I thought I made that up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was about 14 years old, I remember you know, going to church and seminary and, you know, the leaders, I don't know why they teach it like this, but um, like in Cassie's episode, um, it was about the same situation where the leaders were like, yeah, I know girls, we have to teach this. I know you guys don't struggle with this. And, yeah. you know, and my seminary um, teacher, he's awesome. But on this topic, it really, it really hurt me. He was talking about how bad pornography is and if if you know a guy that's struggling with it don't get in a relationship with him you know and just putting so much um shame into it 
Um, and so I was just like, oh my goodness, I, this is bad. This is really bad. I can't tell anyone, you know, if they're freaking out about this, my leaders, people that I trust, um, I can't tell my parents, you know, mm-hmm. like I need to hide this. Especially because your leaders are like, oh, as girls, we, I'm sure we don't have this. And you're like, uh, yeah, yeah, I am struggling this, struggling right. with this, but yeah. Yeah, and if, shame just sits in. And if you mm-hmm. are not sure what shame is, I invite you to go back 30 seconds and re-listen to that. Because mm-hmm. the way you said that is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, man, if I can't tell these leaders who love me, if that's not safe, ooh, for sure mom and dad aren't safe. Mm-hmm. And then if they're not safe, who is? Right. Yeah. Um, ooh, that's big. Another thing was... I just wasn't honest with myself. I, I, I was living a second life, um, and it was scary. Um, I, I, when I have been preparing for these podcasts, I like to look back at my journals because I've been writing my journal every day for years. And so I was just curious. I'm like, did I ever write about this? You know, why, was I ever honest with myself? Because I know that I went through this. But I wrote nothing. I was not honest with myself. And I remember I didn't really turn to God either. I just, this was just something I was hiding. And, you know, I knew that I eventually wanted to get out of it. But I didn't even know where to start. Yeah. You know? When when were you like, oh, this is a thing? Because, I mean, I, for a long time, was like, I, don't, I just quit every time after I stop. And I know that sounds stupid now. Like, well, obviously, you knew you had a problem. I'm like, mm-mm-mm. Like I was not like doing prostitution and I'm being like, this is a cycle. Like I have a pattern, like this Mm -hmm. is an addiction or a problem. Like I think there's that gap when you realize like, oh, this is bigger than like a Mm -hmm. moment or a mistake. So when did that settle on you? Like, oh, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, When I started, when it wasn't to look at it for fun, when it was like I needed to turn to that to numb out. When I, you know, I really needed to uh, finish looking at this, um, you know, like I, so when I would, when I went to school, I would come home on and off like every other semester because I just wasn't doing well in my classes. Um, And when I was homeschooled, when I was struggling with this addiction, I wasn't even doing school. You know, my mom would walk past, I would pretend like I'm doing school. And then when she would leave, I would go right back to looking at pornography. Like it happened all the time. And so that's when I realized like, oh my goodness, I am really addicted Mm -hmm. and I don't know how to stop, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So what age were you when you'd say you were at the height of your use? So I was talking with my cousin one day and we were really close friends and I knew that she had her own struggles. I don't want to go into her story, Sure, but she opened up. And I hadn't really talked with anyone. Like, I haven't really heard people struggling with things. So it just felt really good to hear that someone was struggling with a sexual um, issue. And that gave me permission to open up. And I just blurted it out. And, you know, we started talking. Um, I told her about my addiction. And, you know, that was the first time I ever told anyone I didn't plan to tell anyone like um I was planning to take it to my grave um Mm -hmm. and so it was really empowering because I was really I was really ready to open up and get it done with I just didn't know how and I didn't want that label the perfection label ripped away from me um and so I decided me and her decided that we would go talk to the bishop the following week you know um not together obviously but uh, the next week rolls around and... So you're like, we're both going to go talk to our bishops independently. Do you mm-hmm. have the same bishop at the time? Yes. She looked okay. in my ward. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I I had always been so scared of talking to the bishop because you know that is super intimidating. Yeah. And... P.S. Bishop is like pastor yes. in, in the mm-hmm. LDS community. Yeah. Um, and, you know... I always felt so bad because, you know, I would go into the Temple Recommend interview and, you know, they would ask all the questions. And, you know, obviously I would lie for years and years, you know, do you keep the law of chastity? And I just always felt, I always felt the shame in the office too, you know, just um, 
so this was really scary to me. And I go in there, I I get it all off my chest, and I have never felt so free in my life. Um, after that, you know, I was like on the spiritual high, and I was so, I don't know, just feeling so empowered because I finally told someone about my addiction that I had been drowning in for years. And, you know, I pretty much changed my life, and I, you know, cleaned up my social media apps, and I... Um, started going to the temple a lot and serving. And, you know, I just pretty much became a different person. Um, it was it was awesome. Um, Wait, so what you're telling me is that you can't live the exact same lifestyle and just stop? You have to do actual lifestyle changes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you can't see, she's looking at me like, is this dude that dumb or was that sarcastic? I'm not sure. <laughs> yep. So. And then when you, when you say clean up social media apps, did you like remove them completely? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I took a break from a ton of social media apps and um, pretty much just detoxed from my phone in general because I knew that oh. that was such a big trigger. Yeah. Um, and I cleaned up like my music and anything or, or books too. You know, I would, you know, there's so much pornography in books. So just right. all these little ways, I, I just try to get rid of that. Try to get rid of any trigger I could. Um, I guess it's super weird because I did really stop cold turkey, which I know, like, looking back, it's like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I was sober for like six months or something, you know, and I felt like I was healed. I was so excited. Um, I remember I was at the Toby Mac concert in 2016 and I was like, I've arrived. I'm good to go. And in fairness, there is a point in time that you actually do just stop. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Like I, cause I just want to be like, you're not crazy. Like mm-hmm. sounds like you did it. You were work, you were doing some real recovery and yeah. seeing a difference. Yeah. Um, so this was all happening on my own though. So, you know, those were the two people that knew my bishop and my cousin. Mm. And um, so I was doing awesome until, uh, when was it? July, 2018, I had a big double jaw surgery and I wasn't able to eat for a month. And so, um, you know, that caused an eating disorder because, you know, I wasn't able to eat. So I started binging. Um, and there was all this little stuff behind the surface. There were so many root problems. Um, I guess I'll name them real fast. Um, like my my body image, you know, uh-huh. especially from viewing all the pornography. Like I had this image of a perfect person, you know, the perfect life and everything. So I was super... Well, and let's be more specific, the perfect woman, the perfect yes. female. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the perfect face and everything. Uh, perfect body. So that was a huge issue. And so that, that led into, um, me, that led into the eating disorder as well. Um, you know, I was so concerned about my weight and everything. Um, anyways, I start binging like crazy and that goes on for about nine months and I gain so much weight. Um, and to cope with that, the emotional trauma from that, I, I went back to masturbation Mm. and, you know, it was just so extreme. It was like, you know, I binged so hard. And so now to feel better, I need to turn to this. Um, And that just went back and forth. And by that time, my mom knew about my eating disorder. So it felt good to be able to talk with her. And so she knows that, bro, like my, my child is going crazy. She's, you know, so she knew that, that's what I was struggling with. And that really helped, um, you know, having her support. Um, anyways, I finally get freed from the eating disorder in June of 2019. Um, so nine months later, and I just couldn't get rid of the masturbation. And I remember like talking to my mom and just being like, I don't understand why do I keep hopping from addictions like she didn't know about my sexual addictions but like you know i would talk about like my phone addiction social media my eating disorder and i was just wondering like but she didn't know about the masturbation you mm -mm. didn't go there yeah no um but i was just so concerned i was like well i got rid of my eating disorder like but how come i feel so drawn to my phone and i was trying to be careful not to 
you know, expose myself. Not give her too much information. Right. Um, So that was a big concern. I I just didn't know, like, how to heal my root problems. That That was a problem for a long time. And I guess that leads me up to 2020. Um, let's see. It was probably around June. I saw that Colin Karchner was recording this podcast episode with this 16-year-old boy about pornography. And so I was super excited um, because up to this point, you know, I was like looking everywhere, um, trying to find stories, you know, like because deep down I was still struggling with this. No one knew. Um and it, which is super weird because I thought I healed it when I talked to the bishop, you know, so I was really concerned and I was looking everywhere. I was looking on podcasts, trying to find um, a girl that struggled with this, mm-hmm. you know, and so, turns out it's pretty tough to find. Oh, it's so hard. Um, We've been doing this since 2016 and we just barely had our first woman on here. Uh huh. First woman, first woman addict, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like even to this day, I can name three other ladies, you know, female addicts that I've heard from. Yeah. You know, and I wish that I heard that, you know, that would have helped me so much if I knew that, you know, there was another girl that was struggling with this. Yeah. Um, And so I reached out to Colin and I was like, hey, this is so cool that you're having a teenager come and talk about this. Because I, yeah, obviously I know that boys are struggling with porn. Like that's a guy problem, right? Um, and I was like, have you ever air thought... Air quotes, air quotes, air quotes. <laughs> right, air <Yeah>. quotes. <laughs> um, and I said, like, have you ever thought about having a girl on? Because I have a story. I struggled with pornography. Um, I think that would be really important because I wish that I listened to a girl that struggled with that, too. Um, so basically, I shared my story and he had me on. And um, so ever since then, when I recorded with him... Um, uh, he's been bringing me along to like UCAP, Utah Coalition Against Pornography. Yep. And um, I was on a lot of other podcasts and firesides. And you were on the circuit. Yeah. Uh-huh. It felt really cool, you yeah. know. And so many people were reaching out to me, like so many girls. And they're like, even my close friends too, they're like, I struggled with that, you know? And I was like, wait, you? And it was just so cool that people were starting to open up. Um, because, you know, I made the first move and so many people were feeling okay. You made it safe for other people to, exactly. to reach out. You're providing hope for other people. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I was going on podcasts and stuff, but still I was struggling with masturbation and it just felt really, I, I really felt like a hypocrite because I wasn't yeah. able to, you know, I would go like two months at a time being sober, but it just felt like white knuckling. I would be like barely making it you know and then I would go on the podcast and be like hey these are some things that helped me you know be sober you know get over this and so it just felt really weird but I knew that the spirit was leading me to do this still so I was really confused anyways um I reached out to unashamed unafraid and I hear those guys are awesome I know (laughs) (laughs) So I was going to come speak in January, but I was just feeling so sick about it because I wasn't able to find, you know, I wasn't in a good place. Um, Tell us what you mean by not in a good place. I think I literally relapsed like the the week before I was supposed to yeah, record. Right. And I was like, I don't want to go on and do another fake one, you know, because I was listening to your episodes and I know that you get like really deep. <laughs> And I was like, uh, I don't think I'm ready. And another crazy thing is that when I was working on being sober, you know, it was all on my own. Um, I didn't, there was nothing to do with God. I didn't know how to even apply him into my healing journey. So, like, it just felt so weird. And... um I had a really hard relapse with masturbation and a little bit of pornography, like that was coming up a little bit. Um, And I think especially because I was opening up. So the adversary was just attacking me super hard. Um, For sure. Yeah. So in February, I found life-changing services and from my friend Smith Alley, he was on Colin's podcast. That's the Uh person I saw. Yeah. And he, he, 
told me about this program, Sons of Helaman, and then I found out they had a Daughters of Light, and I just jumped into that program, and I'm still there, and it actually feels like real healing. You know, I've, um, I'm like a little over two months sober, but I actually call this healing now because it doesn't, it's not white knuckling anymore. And I know that, and people know that too. Like my family, they notice that I am like a different person, you know? Yeah. So that's pretty much where I'm at now. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell us, so Daughters of Light is, so you're doing group, it's individual, like, because I know people listening are be like, what is it? Is it book studies? Is it therapy? Is it what? Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about it. So it's group therapy. We meet once a week and um, it's just a bunch of girls, women, and we we meet together. I don't we don't really talk about our issues. I'm sure a lot of them do struggle with pornography um, and masturbation, but we don't really want to name that because it's pretty open for like any issue. Uh-huh. Yeah. So sure. um, we meet with a, an amazing therapist and we talk about like our points for the week, which include like our goals. Uh-huh. Like, you know, did we, yeah. did we relapse or, or did we um, do all of our goals, like reading our scriptures, you know, journaling, um, that kind of stuff. And then we um, do a thought process. I can't remember what it's called, but we go, we think back on the week on the week and we figure out like um something that was really hard and how and this is like retraining our brain. Yeah. You know, like we think about an issue that happened that week and then where our where our thoughts led and then where Satan attacked us. You know, so we could see like um you know, like next time this happens, right. I know I have these alarms set up so that right. I can retrain my brain. I'm going to go do this other thing. So we work on that. We try to, we, we're trying to retrain our thoughts so that we're able to catch ourselves before we relapse or, you know, do anything against our values. Yeah. Being, being a lot more aware of your feelings so mm-hmm. that you're not coping with yeah. pornography, masturbation, exactly. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is it, I mean, I, this is probably a selfish question as someone who like does group therapy um, and uh, participates and, and runs. Um, is it like, what is, what's making the difference for you? Is it like working like the curriculum, like working that, or is it like the support with the, like, cause I see both values, like both are valuable and I think both are important. And so just like, if we, if we break those into two camps, like talk about both of those, like actually like working a, some type of program and like besides just, Hey, try harder and don't do it. And then also what's it like having some support? Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been thinking about this for a while now and I was trying to figure out why is this different from when I was trying to do it on my own? What's the difference? Um, what's the difference between sobriety and healing? And I realized that support is so important. You know, just having those women there, like that is so incredibly important. And you're not alone anymore. Yes, exactly. Um, and another huge thing with the group, it is religious, and I yeah. think that that is super important. Um, you know, because I had all these root issues, I had all these root problems. So that's a loaded word. Tell us what you mean by religious, because I don't want anyone to misunderstand you. Okay. No, that's and like I don't have a judgment. I'm just saying people use that word in some very different contexts. Mm-hmm. So I don't want someone to think you meant apples when you meant oranges. Right. So like, there's no right answer. I'm just saying, so to you, when you say religious, meaning like that you're bringing God into the process or that it's aligned with your faith and your faith values. Mm-hmm. So, cause, cause then I'll give you an example. This comes up all the time when people do 12 steps. We've talked on here yeah. about the ARP, which is mm-hmm. the LDS church's version of the 12 steps. Mm-hmm. And some people enjoy that because they're like, it's people of my faith and it feels unifying. And then other people are like, I like doing regular essay because God is in it. But then the stuff I have messed up around the shame in my church culture isn't present, but I'm still doing God. So that's what I'm saying. People like just use that term mm-hmm. a lot of different ways. So, cause I think you're stepping on like something real big. And mm-hmm. so I want people to hear you. Okay. Yeah. So the program, it, it does involve God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did want to say that um, it is like based on 
the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, totally. But, you know, I've, I actually know that there's a lot of people there that aren't members of that church. Sure. So it isn't, you know, only yeah, yeah, specific yeah. to sure, our church. Totally. But yes, it does involve God. Yeah. So then I think the obvious question is like, why has God been so important to you in recovery? Because as you know, we're unashamed, right? To talk about this topic mm-hmm. and we're unafraid to come into Christ. So mm-hmm. God being key to recovery, uh, you don't need to convince anyone in this room of that. But that's that's a hard thing, I think, people to figure out. Because a lot of times, you know, church hurts the worst hurt. People have a lot of damage around God. And so, like, how has that shifted for you? Like, why has that been such a big part for you? Mm-hmm. Well, I've obviously come closer to God in general. Um, yeah. I've been learning about Him more. And it's played, like, the biggest role in my recovery. You know, um, I really didn't have... I didn't really have much knowledge about him and I didn't really know myself like as a daughter of God. You know, I didn't really understand my worth. And so I didn't ever feel like I I was worth saving. Mm. Um, and so coming to know God and know that I have a purpose here on earth um, that has made such a big difference. And he has helped me heal a lot of my root problems. Um, all these these messages that I've been telling myself or that I've heard for so long, you know, God has helped me um, break through those lies. And that has made a huge difference in my recovery journey. Knowing that he loves you mm-hmm. for who you are, regardless of what you've been doing in your past and mm-hmm. everything that you've been going through. Yeah. He still absolutely loves you and loves your heart. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Sorry, that's just a big one. So I'm just like, just want to sit in that for a minute. So um, what do you, for you, right, I guess is the way to say that. Um what was the biggest thing that, cause you're like, you've had this renewal or this restoration in your relationship with God. And so my mind is like, this is someone who did all the right things. Like I know on that side of your dual life, like I know the porn was going on and the addiction, I get that. But like, you always went to church. You talked about going to seminary. Like I'm, a, I'm assuming you still read and prayed at least sometimes. And you know, why there's some, there's the head nod like, oh yeah, you know. Um, but so I guess like what, like what's the shift for people? Because there's such a barrier around really feeling God and I get it because people are like, I do all the God things and I don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. I'm checking all the God boxes. Shit for people or shit for you? Mm. Right. So I, I guess I'm just saying speak to both. Like what has the shift been for you? Mm-hmm. Well, it's definitely... Um, I'm recovering for myself. You know, mm-hmm. it's not because my mom wants me to get over this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because I genuinely want to move on and help people with my story. And, you know, I've come to really, really love God. You know, so I do these things. You know, it used to be literally a checklist. You know, you know, mm-hmm. go through mm-hmm. the scriptures and stuff. Go through all the motions. But now it's it's so different. Now I really want to get to know him more, and I I'm just striving to become a better person every day. Mm-hmm. 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 So, if if there were other girls listening to this right now, which I'm sure there there's many women that listen to this, um, what would you say to them? If they were here with you right now, what would you say to them? Hmm. What would you want them to know? First off, that they're not alone. That is so important. Um, And I feel like that really breaks the shame, you know, Uh just knowing that you aren't the only one that is struggling with it. That's ridiculous. Like you live in 2021. Um, of course it's everywhere. And also that 
you are so loved. And that God is waiting for you. He's right there. He's always been there. And there's hope and healing literally around the corner. All you have to do is, you know, speak up, go tell someone, get the help that you need because you are worth it and you deserve to live a better life. You don't need to be stuck in that cycle anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, there's the song. So if you had a song for like this moment in time in your journey, journey with God, journey in recovery, journey in life, um, to kind of speak to your experience in God as you know him now, what would that song be? This was super hard to choose, but I, I really feel like it's How Can It Be by Lauren Daigle. Mm-hmm. So, we love her. She's awesome. So mm-hmm. why that song? I was, I, I love the lyrics, you know, it just, it's so beautiful and it just doesn't make sense how God loves us so much and that, you know, he sent his son to perform the atonement for us. I, it just, you know, we're so, we're just sinners, you know, and it just is amazing hearing the song and it just really, it really shows God's love and his, you know, his, his love for all of us. And it doesn't make sense, but it's, it's beautiful. So, yeah. Absolutely. And if you can't hear from me that God loves you, hear it from Chris, the Hoka Hope. And if you can't believe us, we invite you to believe Ashley. Ashley, thank you so much for coming on and being with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, if you want to reach out and where to find us at Unashamed Unafraid, um, we invite you to uh, become an outsider by donating at unashamedunafraid.com slash donate, in which that helps us pay for scholarships for people to get resources so they can get help in their recovery. Um, and that would also clue you into the bonus content of some extra time we spend here with Ashley, going deeper, figuring some of the things, some of the stuff she wants to share. So we appreciate, again, so much, Ashley, for you coming on and sharing your heart. It's been uh, powerful, and I've been touched. Thank you. Me too. So grateful that you that you were able to make it out here today, and your courage to share your story. Thank you. And I agree with you. Um, sometimes there's just not words to say how great His love is for us. But how can it be? By Lauren Daigle takes a pretty good stab. So we'll leave you with that. And until we speak, see, or hear from you again, remain unashamed. Inside I doubt that you still love